your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back, Heinrich holding, holding, Throw looking, it. throws it toward the end. Oh, so yes. He's got a man out there. Touchdown. Wyatt Lever makes a catch. Touchdown. <laughs> Wyatt Lever gets back to back catches, and that ties the game at 20. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Was there really one second left, or do you think they fudged the end of the game? Ah, doesn't matter. Spring game, it was fun. I know Jeremiah Searle said on our post-game show he had a little flashback to the 09 championship game with Texas, but that was fun. What a day. Fantastic Saturday, 36,000-plus watched. The red-white scrimmage back inside Memorial Stadium. It was fantastic to be there with all of you folks and hope you had a great time if you were there today or if you were listening. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast with all of us on Saturday. Welcome to another week of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. So glad you've chosen to spend some time with us here on a Monday night. We've got a good show lined up for you tonight. We're going to bring back Mondays with Matt. Matt will join us here in a couple of minutes. We'll get his thoughts about the spring game and about this football team as they exit Spring football now start pointing all the arrows toward August 28th and the opening game of the year against the Fighting Illini in Champaign. And as Tim told you, Huskers will have a game now on Labor Day weekend as the Fordham Rams have been added to the schedule. They are an FCS team. They take the place of Southeast Louisiana, another FCS team that was scheduled for later in the season in November. It will give Nebraska two bye weeks on the schedule, one in October and one in November, and you certainly will like those and take those when you get to that point in the season as uh, tough and as physical as this football season promises to be for the Big Red. So that was the news of the day, was the announcement of Fordham being added to this schedule. I'll tell you what, uh, speaking of the FCS level, Yesterday was the quarterfinal rounds. I watched a bunch of foot, football yesterday, I, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I thought there was some tremendous games. I watched North Dakota State, Sam Houston State, where the defending champs, NDSU, beaten by Sam Houston State down in the heat of Texas. Watched a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of the J- James Madison game. Uh, they were victorious, and they move on. They beat North Dakota. And then last night, I couldn't go to bed. I kept staying up late watching South Dakota State and Southern Illinois play as the FCS level now is down to um, the semifinals. Yesterday was the quarterfinal round, but all four of those games were on the ESPN family of networks yesterday. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and you know, I, I know the FCS can't wait to get back with everybody else in the fall, but I'll tell you that they – they found a little bit of a niche, and I'm sure they had people who are kind of starved for a little bit of football uh, to watch those those games coming up um, over the weekend. So or this past weekend and now the semifinals will be ready here in a little bit as well. So, uh, all right, Mondays with Matt coming up here in a little bit. We'll talk to the head baseball coach, Will Bolt. Tough weekend for the boys on the diamond. Swept at home by Rutgers. Did not see that coming. We'll talk more about that later in the hour, but the head coach will be here in hour number two to take your comments, questions, and calls. It was a rough weekend. Huskers' bullpen, which had been so good 
imploded over the weekend. Huskers had late leads in both the Friday and Saturday games, could not hang on, and, and then just were extremely flat yesterday. And now out of first place, a half a game back of Indiana, who they will see this coming weekend in a pod in Piscataway. Nebraska will play Indiana twice and Rutgers twice over the weekend beginning on Saturday. So the baseball show coming up in hour number two. We'll have our weekend rewind and our weekend winners for you in hour three. Test, but test. I want to talk some spring game and really want your your thoughts about this at 531-500-4686, either with a call or a text. What did you see? What did you like? What uh, what stood out to you? And, Ben, for the first time in several years, you were actually part of our spring game broadcast. Husker Baseball was home, so you were able to be there. Uh, pretty hot, steamy day down on the sidelines. But uh, what was it like for you just to be back at Memorial Stadium after last fall uh, broadcasting your, your part of our broadcast remotely? Yeah, first of all, it was just it was just really great to be back there. You know, um, it felt a little bit different. You know, I I, I parked my car over at, at the baseball stadium and then uh, took the hike over, and I was a little uh, taken aback by kind of the feelings I that kind of swirled in my gut for one reason or another. Walking over to the to the stadium and you know being just being at the stadium, you know, walking in there and. Um, obviously, you know, prepping for a pregame show is a little bit different, obviously, um, you know, with Brendan not being there, having other obligations, but, you know, chatting with Jeremiah, walking up to the booth, you know, brought all those feelings back and, uh, you know, then obviously starting, starting the show and just seeing the, seeing the stadium from the inside kind of hit me harder than I, I, you know, I ever thought. And then of course, you know, we, we all know what it's like being in that stadium anytime a tunnel walk of any kind is being played but I, di- I didn't think I would be that juiced up for a practice you know for a spring game and I think I think just kind of a little bit of everything you know everything we'd gone through the last year and to kind of get to that point kind of kind of led into that and you have to give um, the creative minds over at, at Husker Vision a huge pat on the back for playing into that with their video uh, yeah. I think everybody kind of you know took 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 their own piece of that of that uh, video there with their experience in the last year and then to kind of turn it into everybody being back inside the stadium was really cool so that that was fun and then obviously the game right I mean the game's just so fun seeing all the former Huskers down there on the sideline and um, you know getting our you know good look at, at at some of these newcomers and what they look like so it was a great experience and I'm, and I'm really glad we got to be a part of it how fi- how fired up were the guys how fired up was the team in your eyes and obviously it's not going to reach the level of a regular season game but what what kind of energy did you sense on the sidelines from the players well, I think, you know, it's impossible not to be jacked when you run out of that tunnel. I mean, at least for the first quarter, you know, your, your blood's just a pumping now. You know, once that, that third, late third quarter, early fourth quarter starts, you know, it, and the starters had been out there a while, you can start to understand how that, that might to wear off some. But, you know, that, then you get some of the walk-ons uh, like Isaiah Harris in the game and, you know, the, the, their blood's pumping just as hard in the fourth quarter as it was when they ran out of the tunnel. So I, I think the excitement and the enthusiasm was was really good. And, you know, as you and Matt talked about up in the booth, for some of these guys, that's, you know, it's the first time that they've gotten that experience to run out of that tunnel uh, with fans in the stands. So I, I do think that, um, you know, we can't minimize – the feeling that those players had when they come out, even though you and I know that the coaches don't put a ton of stock into evaluating those reps when it comes time to who's starting, who's going to be the second string, third string, that game doesn't really determine a lot, but I don't think we can minimize the experience of those players. 
Well, one thing that stood out to me is just the physical nature of this team, the size, the depth along both lines. And I think we saw a little bit of that last fall where you felt like, okay, Nebraska matches up with teams now in the Big Ten. They're, they're, not, they're not walking onto the field against an Iowa or Ohio State, and you're going, well, it is physically outmanned. I, that kind of went away last fall, and I think there's even – I think they might even be deeper now than they were then. I mean, when you see guys like – the polar bear, Nash Hutmaker, out there making stops with the white defense and Raekwon Buckley making plays and you know Blaze Gunnerson doing some things. You're like, wow. And then the number two offensive line looked like they were opening up some holes in that game. I, to me, that's what stood out the most to me was the physicality of Nebraska on both sides. That gets me excited. That gives me a feeling that they'll have a chance every time they line up this Saturday to play teams they, because they their ones can hang and they've got enough depth to survive the, the rough and tough 12-game regular season. I think so, and I, and I think that's, that's what the first thing that should stand out is. I know that's the first thing I notice when I'm on the sideline grading other teams size. What, what do they look like up front on both sides of the ball? And then, you know, a lot of times you can tell – yeah, you know, their skill positions really set themselves apart too. But, you know, I I was really impressed with what I saw. And, you know, I, for those that listened to the game, heard us chat with uh, Ben Stilley on the sideline. I was chatting with him just a little bit before we brought him on the air, and that was the first thing he said to me. And I was like, well, what's impressed you this spring? You know, kind of sitting back and watching. He goes, it's just the depth. He goes, we, when you've got Jordan Riley as your seventh best defensive lineman, he's like, you're in a really good spot. And, you know, that wasn't even including guys like Nash and and Ruquan and some of these other newcomers. I, I do think that, um, you know, the depth that is being built on that defensive line is a great place to start because, uh, as everybody knows, you have to be able to stop the run in this conference. And Nebraska was pretty good at that last year. And I think, you know, bringing all that experience back is just going to make them better. And, and I know you and I both feel really good about the secondary, too. So it's not like, you know, the opposing coaches are, are going to look at Nebraska's defense on one particular um, set of plays, you know, passing the ball, running the ball, go, okay, we can exploit them here. This is a matchup we really like. Other teams are going to have their strengths, obviously. I mean, Wisconsin's going to want to run the ball, and, you know, you played another team that likes to, to throw, throw it around a little bit. They're going to play to their strengths, but I do think that, you know, what Nebraska has built, particularly up front on the D-line, is going to make things a little more challenging. Um and, you know, that's that's something that I walked away pretty impressed with. Okay, you had a chance to see this team go through a practice a few weeks ago. Um, what, did did anything change from that time to what you saw Saturday? You probably – there was – I know a couple of guys that were held out of the practice that did participate Saturday. There were some more that didn't participate in the game that probably were there two Saturdays before. But anything different in your perception of what you saw two weeks ago to what you saw Saturday? I think I think the the biggest thing that that I walked away maybe I don't want to say changing my opinion but I think a guy that I was really hoping to see more from uh, in the practice that I was I was withholding judgment uh, just because I only saw one practice and that was Samari Toure I I, I felt like I needed to see more of him um, you know in in, the, in a game like situation to really see what he can do and I felt like he he greatly overperformed what I saw from the practice to the spring game. I think we, we saw kind of what type of weapon he's going to be for this offense more on Saturday than perhaps what I saw in that practice. And, and that's why you always have to withhold judgment, right? I mean, you have to, you can't, you can't watch an hour or, you know, a handful of, of, of periods of practice and, and 
you know, have your opinion on a guy. I think we're still making our opinions on, on a lot of these players. Greg, we've been here for a few years. So right. I think that was the biggest guy. The biggest thing that I took away was a guy that, you know, I want, I wanted to see him, 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 you know, perform a little bit more. I just, I just needed to see more reps out of him and you know, what, what a live scenario was like, but I, I think he's going to be a really nice player. And of course the guy that I didn't see in the practice that I was really looking forward to watching in the spring, I think kind of showed everybody that how capable he was. And that's Gabe Irvin. I mean, I just physically, you know, he, he stands right up there with, with Sevion and, and with Ronald Tompkins guys that have been in this program for a couple of years in the weight room. And I, and I think if you were to kind of take their pads off and if you didn't know what their faces looked like, you walked them out one by one, you wouldn't be able to differentiate any of the three, those three guys. And I think that's, that's really important to say for a running back. And I know the coaches really admire his work ethic and why he loves the game of football. So um, I, I do feel like that 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 that's a guy that's going to be you know pretty impactful to this team at at some point in time sooner rather than later. Well, you you know how much I, I was anxious to see those running backs, and I I think there's some talent there. Now they I don't think they quite know all what they're doing, and some of those guys I think make me nervous in pass protection and and some of those things that you are required to do in that offense. But Yant looked good. I thought Irvin looked good. I thought Marvin Scott looked like he had a better idea what he was trying to do. Ronald Tompkins didn't get as many carries, but I thought did okay. And you mentioned guys like even Isaiah Harris running hard in the fourth quarter. I think there's it's like it's like a pot of clay. I think there's a nice pot of clay for Ryan Held to try to mold and, and mix together. But I think it's there. I think there's some real ability in that room, even though it's just really young. And even Savion Morrison, I thought had some good runs. Yeah, it's going to be a crowded room. So I don't, I don't think, and this isn't any inside info, but my my hunch tells me that not all these guys are going to stick around. I just feel like we've we've listed six names, Greg, and, right. and you just somebody's going to be unhappy. We haven't even talked about Marquis Step, who's injured all spring. You know, I think there's just so many guys competing for touches that someone's going to be unhappy. You know, you. You know, you've got right now. You've got Marquis Step, Ramir Johnson, Ronald Tompkins, Marvin Scott, uh, Gabe Irvin, Jock Yant, and Sevion Morrison. That's what seven guys that I just rattled off the top of my head. You can't give all these guys carries, and right. and so I think that you know, let's not be surprised if somebody leaves. You hope everyone sticks around, but you, you're just not. You know, everybody's going to want their touches, and so this is going to be a really big. I think it was a really big spring for those that participated and were here, and I think it's going to continue to be a huge off season. I think there are some of these guys that are going to have decisions to make, and the other thing that that is interesting about this particular running back spot is all the guys that I mentioned have different skill sets. You, Ramir is different than Jock Yant, who's different than Marvin Scott, who's, who's different than yeah. Sevion Morrison. I mean, they're all, they, they all do different things. And so, you know, I think we're going to find out what this coaching staff really values at the end of the day of who's getting these snaps and, and who's getting the, the, you know, the carries in the games. You, you learned a lot more, in, at least I did, a lot more about that group in the second half than I did the first. Because with just thuds... You know, Yant gets touched after four yards in the first half. He ain't going down after four yards, and he showed, no. he showed that in the second half. And really, none of those guys are. Irvin's a powerful runner. Scott's a powerful runner. We did not see Ramir. He was held out of the game on Saturday. But you're right. They all kind of do different things, and that's going to be an interesting room to watch as we move into the fall. And, hey, 
we're now spring balls in the books. I mean, I, n- n- I don't know any. Ins- I don't know anything. I honestly, folks, I do not know anything. But I would not be shocked if we hear of a couple of guys jumping into the transfer portal this week. I mean, spring ball is now over. Guys kind of have a feeling where they are, where they sit on this team after spring practice. Yeah, I, again, I don't know anything for sure. Haven't heard any names, but it would not shock me if we hear a name or two drop their their name in the hat of the transfer portal this week. I, I, and that could be a position to keep an eye on as you, you move through this thing. Um, the, the fans, it was 36,000-plus. I thought it was a great crowd. They made plenty of noise. You could hear them, the chants, the Go Big Red champs, the Husker Power chants. Um, I, I hope the folks had a good time. I, I certainly enjoyed looking out and seeing them. And you talked about your walk from Haymarket Park back and forth on Saturday. Just to be around that again, I think that was good for the soul, right? I think it was really good for all of us to kind of experience that once again and, and feel like we're starting to return to normal. The fans were awesome. They were engaged. And, and, and I want to lump the baseball crowd in here, too, not just for Saturday but all weekend. You know, you know, being down there on the field in the sun all day, it was hot. I mean, it was hot down there. And there was – I can't tell you how many people I walked with from the stadium – memorial stadium over to haymarket park and and fans just walked right into the game you know what i mean like their dedication to be out in the in the hot sun to watch their huskers literally all day for football and then baseball was was just phenomenal and and you just you don't want to take it for granted and you're really grateful that we have fans as supportive as ours and look i know the baseball team didn't perform well this week and you you and i know baseball's along i've been kind of hinting at this for a few few weeks now that this might be coming and i I didn't think it would come in the way of a sweep but it did but i have heard from some of our players after the series was over and you know they they feel they feel bad you know they feel bad that they didn't play great great in front of all those fans and that you know they 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 want to play well for the fans they they want to give them stuff to cheer about but unfortunately it just didn't happen this weekend but don't think that uh, that the fans showing up was unnoticed by by anybody, the football staff or the players or the baseball staff and the players, because I know uh, everybody appreciated it and it just this place is so special. Sure is, and that, that's what makes Husker Nation pretty pretty remarkable. And I, I tell people from around the country, you roll the ball out somewhere in Lincoln, Nebraska, and the folks are going to show up as long as the team's wearing Husker Red to cheer them on. And so Saturday was a fun day at the stadium. We're back, Sports Island, here on a Monday night following the Husker Spring Game, wrapping up spring football practice for the Big Red on Saturday. So we thought we'd revive one of our favorite features here. It's called Mondays with Matt. Time now for the Weekly Breakdown. What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference. With color analyst and former national champion. All the games played for this historic program. All the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime, and we've seen the best one here today against the top 10 team. It's Mondays with Matt Davison on Sports Nightly. Well, was there any controversy in the locker room about the one second? I'm still a little itchy about one second finishes to games, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, you know, there was a lot of smack being talked after that one, but it was a good day overall, Greg, no question about it. Um, thought the first team defense did some really good things and looked fast and ran around. And, you know, anytime you're not ta- tackling to the ground, it's a little harder to tell, but they put themselves in positions to make plays, and that's what we were looking for. And, 
got through the day w- without any major injuries, and that's always a positive in the spring game as well. So hopefully the fans enjoyed it and people watching on TV enjoyed it, and, and um, you know we thought it was a productive day. There were so many different kind of guys that people were anxious to see. Let's start with the wide receiver room, your, your, your expertise group. What do you make of that, that position as we leave spring? I just think we have a lot of different guys that can play, and that's exactly what you want. Um, obviously, um, you have Oliver Martin back and Levi Falk, and those guys are staples for us, and and Xavier Betts and Omar Manning and Wyatt Lever. Um, you add Samori Toure in there. I mean, we have a bunch of guys that can play. I hope I didn't forget anybody that's that's near the top. But um, we have a lot of guys that can make plays out there. It's going to create great competition in, in practice and for reps during games. And and so we have some guys that have quite a bit of experience and some guys that are that are coming up that I think can can push and and make a, a case for some playing time too. And, and we're going to add some freshmen here this summer that are going to have a chance to make their – their uh, presence known in fall camp so I just think that's a position that we're in better shape at now than we've been since coach Frost has been here let's go to the backfield then how about the running game the running backs it looked like there was a a lot of talent that was on display on Saturday but just not a lot of experience in that group your thoughts about the running backs yeah, I mean, after watching the film, I think they they got what they could get out of most of the plays that were in front of them. Uh, again, when you're just tagging off in the first half, it's a little tough to, to, to tell. But I thought the offensive line did a good job on Saturday, and I thought the backs got what they could get. You know, we're going to have to, at some point, a couple guys are going to have to emerge and, and really be the guys that, that you want to go to. And right now there's a whole bunch of names that could end up being a couple of those guys but you, know, you saw on saturday a lot of guys got carries and and i think they all believe they have a chance and they should that they have a chance to play this fall and so you know they need to keep themselves in great shape over the summer and learn everything inside and out as you said there's not a lot of experience back there so the guys that know what they're doing and can you know not just in the running game but blitz pick up and in the pass game and and understand exactly what to do on every play they're gonna have a great chance to be on the field so we feel good about a lot of those guys and we're just waiting for a couple of them to emerge you mentioned the, the phrase in good good shape. Uh, man, that's what came to my mind when I saw Adrian play on Saturday. It looked like he's just in great shape. How about his play and then the, that room as a whole? Uh, you know, I thought he had a great day. He, he looked really comfortable in the pocket, has a great arm. Um, you know, he's he's lost a little weight he's in great shape as you said he's he's looks more like he did as a freshman really running the ball and so you know him staying healthy is going to be key to the season every team in the country says that about their starting quarterback so you know that's the same for us he's obviously the most important guy we have and you know his his decision making i think is is going to be better than it's been in his career i think he has a better grasp on everything and, um, you know, just excited for him to have a big season next fall. Visiting with Matt Davison. It's our Mondays with Matt segment here on Sports Signing on the Husker Sports Network. Boy, some tough news delivered by the head coach, Matt, after the game about Will Honus, an injury to him late in the spring camp. That just breaks your heart because, you know, he he's back for one more go for college football. And then to have that happen, my goodness, that is just heartbreaking. It is. I mean, it's it's terrible. It's a, it's a part of athletics, and in football specifically, it, it can be really tough. And 
you're just looking at a, a kid that's had a lot of injuries in his career and he's always fought through them and come back strong and unfortunately this was going to be kind of his last hurrah and and um you know he he's a great kid who just works hard and does all the right things and and we we've been so lucky to have him these last few years and unfortunately another injury is probably gonna you know take him out of the season or or most of the season so um he's he's a guy we're gonna miss he's an experienced linebacker who knows how to play in the big 10 and and uh was gonna obviously be a big part of the defense so it's a big loss for this team and other guys are gonna have to step up and play one thing that, that left a big impression on me Saturday was the depth, particularly along the defensive front. I mean, my goodness, you even said it. A lot of those guys in that white squad are good players, but they're just stuck behind really good players. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, but it's definitely a, a place where we have a lot of depth, and we're really good to start with Casey and and um, Ty Robinson and and Daniels and um, – you know, when Stilly gets back and I mean, we just got a whole bunch of guys that can play up there and you saw Nash on Saturday had a big day. Mosai Newsom's going to be a really good player. Um, Blaze Gunnerson and, and, uh, uh, Jamari, I think have a chance to be really good players on the outside and, and they're probably going to be backups. So, you know, we have a lot of depth on the defensive line. It's a good place to have depth and they're big, strong guys that can rotate in and out. Uh, Colton Feast has had a great spring. Uh, he's going to play in the fall as well. So we have a lot of guys that can play at that position. All right, another position that's got seems like it's got oodles of players is that defensive secondary that Coach Fisher has been been working with. And there were some guys on the white that would start for a lot of people in the Big Ten Conference. Your your impression of the secondary? Yeah, we you know Coach Fisher has done a great job back there, and he's built a great room with with really good uh, character guys and. <clears throat> It really starts with Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke and Cam Taylor. I mean, those guys are experienced guys that bring it every day. They show up and do the right things, and they're older players that that know their way around the conference. So, you know, they're just uh, they're great leaders on the football team in general, especially on defense, and they're bringing those young guys along really well. All right, a couple of things. Uh, big weekend, and you and I talked about it on the broadcast, and a major thing that you've been involved with over the last couple of years, and that's raising money for the Go Big Project. Had the groundbreaking ceremony on Friday. We're going to start seeing some construction equipment over there at the Ed Weir track area here in the next couple of weeks. How big a deal is that for Nebraska athletics and for Husker football in particular? You know, it's really big. It's been 15 years since we really put money into football. And this isn't just going to help football. It's going to help every sport. But football specifically, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be the best uh, facility in the country. And I just give a lot of credit to our leaders here at the university. Started with with Hank Bounds and then Ted Carter took over. Ronnie Green has been awesome through this process. And Bill Moose and Obviously, Coach Frost has been a big part of it, too, but none of it happens without our fans and our, our supporters that have been able to put their money towards this project and and really put us in a position to be number one in the country when it comes to facilities in athletics. And and so it's been fun for me. It's been a learning process, but at the same time, it's been it, it's been challenging and fun at the same time. And we're not done yet. We still have money to raise and we still have a building to build. But it's an exciting time in recruiting for all sports because of this. And it's going to put us in a, a good position for, I think, decades to come when it comes to facilities 
um, in the Big Ten and all across the country, we're going to be right at the top, and and that's certainly going to help us all. So we just want to thank everybody for their support, and and um, you know we're gonna we're gonna be out there trying to raise more money for the next year or so. But as we start to see the steel go up, it's going to be really exciting for our players and and future athletes at this university. Yep, no doubt. All right. Well, we appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy your summers. It'll go quick. We'll get to that last Saturday of, of August and head to Champaign and, and get after the fighting line. That'll, it's going to be a challenging schedule, as we mentioned on the broadcast on Saturday. But uh, I think a lot of people left Memorial Stadium Saturday thinking that this is, it looks like a pretty competent Husker football team that will take the field in a few months. Can't wait, Greg. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is challenging this fall with the schedule, but, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun and a big challenge for our team, and it's going to be fun for our fans. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Baseball Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Acker rifles one into center field, and that's going to be by the center fielder. It's going to roll all the way to the wall. Lasco had laid out for it, and he missed it. Acker motoring around second. He's cruising into third. Harvell's waving him around. Acker's going to come home, and he is safe. It's an inside-the-park home run, and Joe Acker circles the bases. We are tied at two in Lincoln. An in-depth look at the Nebraska baseball program. The ball hit well into left center field. This one going back. This one is gone. Jackson Olmark with a solo home run. And the Huskers retake the lead 3-2. With the head coach, Will Bolt. And now delivers. Schwellenbach hammers this one into deep left center field. And that ball is out of here. Spencer Schwellenbach gets into one to deep left center, and the Huskers' lead grows to 5 to nothing. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Baseball Radio Show, Ben McLaughlin. Thank you, and welcome to the Nebraska Baseball Radio Hour, weekly conversation with Nebraska head baseball coach Will Bolt. We welcome your calls and texts into the program tonight, 531-500-4686, the numbers to get into the show. You have a question or comment for Coach Bolt, feel free to give us a shout. We'll make sure to pass that along to the head man. We've got an hour coming your way, our sports nightly Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We say hello to head baseball coach Will Bolt. Coach, I know this weekend's probably bothered you more than than anybody else. Um, I guess when you went back and did some diving and, and rewatching the games and, and going over your, your stats and, and your markings on your on your boards and stuff, what what's the biggest thing that that stood out to you that you've tried to pass down to the team on your off day today? Well, yeah, uh, certainly the the first two games were heartbreakers. I mean, you you lose two games uh, late in that fashion. Um, those are those are tough ones to to recover from. I thought, you know, after Friday's game, we did a really nice job of of showing up and, and very determined, and um, just as we've been all year in bounce back opportunities, uh, jump out to that large lead and. You know, and then not finishing that one off, uh, I think it certainly played into uh, the way we played on Sunday. And again, I, I said it after the game. I, you got to give uh, their starting pitcher, their their staff, their their team an awful lot of credit. I mean, a lot of times you'll see a team that wins a couple games on the road and and they get a little bit satisfied, and and they were just ready from the get go. Um, you know, they scored a run off us in the first inning and, and uh, you know, they set the tone on the mound on their end of it and um, they were off and running and we just never really recovered. So, um, you know, I, I guess the message is, is that, 
we we played well enough to win for about 15 innings uh, of the first two days, um, and then we let it affect us for Sunday. And that's something, you know, you never want to learn lessons with with losing games, but sometimes that that's what it takes to to maybe to turn things around a little bit and um, you know just get back on the on the winning foot again. Coach, let's start with Sunday. We've been on the other end of games like that, and, and our offense has been so good early in games all year long. And then Shea's, Shea's really done a nice job on Sundays of setting the tone, and it seems as though like a lot of times on Sundays, once that snowball gets rolling down the hill, in a lot of ways, we're the ones pushing it. Rutgers was the one pushing it on Sunday where you're really feeling the pressure every time you're, you're at bat and another inning goes by and you can't do anything, and then another inning and another inning and another inning. How, how did you see the offense? kind of handle that really for the you know first time um you know not be able to to do what they wanted in the box on a Sunday yeah not real well obviously uh we we didn't handle it very well we um just because you have a bad tone set in the game I mean doesn't mean that you can't you know right the ship and do something about it and it wasn't that that he was necessarily doing anything that we were surprised by or that we um that we hadn't seen on, on tape or didn't expect from the, the scouting report. But um, again, you just got to give him credit because he was more competitive than we were. And that's really what it boils down to for me is um, our, our team has been very resilient, very competitive um, outside of just a handful of times this year. Um, I think the third game of a three game losing streak uh, Friday night against Iowa was probably the last time uh, that I feel like we just, weren't competitive enough offensively, um, you know, and then we turned it around and, and put together a really nice streak of really good offensive games after that. So, um, yeah, it, it just, we, we, we got the, the side struck out in the first inning. Um, and again, it just, for us, it just, when we struggle to, to put the fastball in play, um, it can lead to some quick punch outs because, you get a little anxious in the box when you feel like you're not on time and um, good hitting teams, good hitters find a way to get on time more often than not. And, you know, unfortunately for us, we just, we weren't able to make that adjustment uh, on Sunday and, and they were able to extend the lead. And, you know, like I said, I mean, they don't, they, Shea didn't set a very good uh, tone on the mound, but he still only gave up one run in the first. It could have, it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. And by the time it was all said and done, um, you know, it's a four run game. Uh, you give up, four runs on a Sunday, you expect to score more than that. So um, Shea settled in and did his part to keep us in the game. We just didn't do, obviously, anything offensively to, to make up for it. Rutgers did a lot of damage with two outs this weekend, but I think even the more infuriating thing was watching them work with two strikes. And you talked about this with us, I think, before maybe the Friday game about their approach with two strikes, and they're really hard to strike out. What did you see from from their end, but more importantly from our guys' end, about um, what what you saw with two strikes? I think three hits off Schwelly on Saturday with two strikes. I know the two run double they hit um, to extend the lead with two outs was with two strikes. What what did you see from our end with the with the two strikes that um, either we need to do better or that you want to see different next weekend? Well, I think part of it is is that we like I've always alluded to, you just, you get into too many two strike counts when you're, when you're not on your best approach. Um, so that makes it difficult. And as you, again, as you kind of get into your at bats and within your at bat, if you're not on a good approach, you just kind of get a little more anxious um, in the box. And I, and I felt like that was the different, and that's when we're going really good offensively, we are tough to strike out because 
we're more on time at the front of the count. Um, we put the ball in play hard earlier in the count. And you're just more confident when you do that. So you, you have the tendency to um, end up taking the borderline pitches later in the count because you're not feeling anxious um, or ner- as nervous to, that you're going to be able to have to get to the fastball if, if you need to. So I, that's what I saw from Rutgers this weekend. That they were just kind of in control of their at-bats. Um, and because of that, uh, they, they were not as anxious late in the count. And I, think, I thought that um, – on Friday night in particular, Cam Wynn made a, a pitch on a 3-2 slider that he's gotten a swing and miss on, yeah. I mean, just about every every time this year. And their hitter um, kind of just check swung and then left it down and, you know, extended the inning and made it, a I think, a bases loaded nobody else situation at that point in time. So, again, it's just one of those things with baseball. Um, when you're not swinging it great, it feels like you're <laughs> you're down on the count 0-2, 1-2, just about every at-bat, and that's a tough way to make a living. And when you are, um, you're putting the ball in play hard early in the count and uh, or you're just more on time early in the count and you feel a lot more confident as your at-bat goes along. You've been around the sport a long time. I don't need to tell you that this sport humbles you and there's always ups and downs to every season. And I think we went through a little bit of this, as you said, with the doubleheader in Minneapolis and the Friday game with Iowa. You, you saw the team able to turn the switch there and – this is a unique situation because you get to go play the team that just swept you on your home field twice more next weekend. How have you seen the attitude of the guys that you've chatted with since the end of the game Sunday um, be in that respect, knowing that you get you get two more cracks at these guys next weekend? Yeah, I, I think more than anything, um, it, it's just a good lesson for – it's something that I've talked about with the team. I've talked about uh, publicly um, just how each weekend this, this year – provides its own mini season uh, because we just don't – it's just totally different than anything we have, have ever done before where all you're playing is, is conference games and you're playing only on the weekends. You don't have the, the Tuesday reset button to, to hit it. Um, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got practice all week. This week we've got finals. Um, so good or bad, it, each weekend presents its own uh, separate just kind of battle, its own little uh, miniature series uh, season, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I think the guys are <laughs> – they know we have a good team. I mean, we've played a very, very high level of baseball for the first 30 games. Um, and Sunday was a stinker of a game. There's no doubt about it. There's no other way around it. I think they recognize that. Uh, us as coaches recognize that. But we also recognize that – you know, we're the same team that ran off, um, you know, whatever it was before that 14 of 16 or, um, you know, just we're playing at an incredibly high level. So, um, and again, and reminded them too, that uh, the team that now is right there with us at the top of the standings, Indiana had a four game sweep uh, that they were handed this, this, this season, Um, you know, four of their nine losses came all in one weekend. Um, So, it's just a different year that way. And, uh, you know, the teams that can just have the short memory and get back to work are going to be the teams that have a chance to, to be successful. Buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Let's get to a couple of texts before we hit our first break. Eric and Lincoln, uh, Coach Boldy says, I've noticed Coach Harvell really likes to send guys home and is very aggressive. I was surprised he sent Acker on the inside the park home run. I like it. Is that part of the style of play? I'd rather get an out at home having the opposition outfield having to make a great play. Oh, yeah. That's definitely part of the, the game plan, and that's in uh, Coach Harvell's DNA is is that aggression there. Um I'm not going to lie. When, when I saw Joe around in third base uh, with nobody out, I was holding my breath a little bit, but I trust uh, 
I trust Lance wholeheartedly. Um, he's going to make the the call that's you know going to um, be the bold call, and and you know the luck usually favors the bold. So um, you know he's he's done a fantastic job. Um, you know you're going to get some guys thrown out from time to time, um, but you you also you're going to get rewarded more often than not by by putting pressure on the defense and um, you know just having that that style of play. Yeah, I'm always always thought that make them make a play, and if they do, you tip your cap. And we did see that really on both ends this weekend with uh, Joe getting sent home and then making a nice play on Jack, getting him thrown out at the plate. One more before we hit a break. Hi, Coach. One weekend doesn't make a season. We're still with you, and the team Go Big Red is Leighton Banjoff injured. Oh, first of all, appreciate it. Appreciate the support. Yeah, Leighton is. Um, he he fouled a ball off his finger um, trying to bunt um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so he, uh, that was at Michigan state, I guess. And he can swing the bat. Uh, he can't really throw um, right now. And he, he can swing the bat. He's taking BP, but it's taken, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get his full bat speed back. Um, could, he could probably play in an emergency situation. That's just something we're going to monitor this week. And hopefully um, that thing can heal up and, and we get an opportunity to get back in there. Back for hour three of our Monday edition of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you enjoyed last hour. Good to hear from the head coach. Got time to clear their head. Get ready to get after this weekend's games in Piscataway. They won't play until 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon. It'll be a Saturday, doubleheader Sunday, single game Monday. So a different kind of weekend coming up for the Big Red. We'll talk more baseball later on in the hour. Here's what we have coming up here in the third hour of the program. We'll have our weekend rewind, a look back at the last couple of days in the sports world. Uh, And we'll have our weekend winners at the end of the hour. But also we'll have some time for some phone calls, too. We'll keep some open phones during the hour for you as well. Right now, though, let's rewind it. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Second down, 20. 5.03 5.03 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20. Down the middle. The 10. The 5. He slides at the 1. And they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. Isaiah, shot clock turned off. Game clock at eight. He's going to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And the buzzer, Young, safe, and Washington wins it. On a last-second day. It's the Weekend Rewind with Ben McLaughlin. We'll go ahead and dive right into what happened in the weekend of sports. Starting first, as we always do, with Husker Athletics and just wrapped up with Coach Bolt. And Greg, I'm sure you're probably glad to have a weekend off after what the Huskers ran out there this weekend, unfortunately dropping all three to Rutgers. But... I don't think it's time to push the panic button just yet. You've been doing this long enough to know that there's always downs to the ups of a baseball season. There are. There are twists and turns, and it, for the most part, it's been smooth sailing. You knew there was going to be a rocky patch. 
there's time to dig it back out. You'd rather hit the rocky patch now than in late May or June when you get into postseason play. So you hope you dig it out of here. And the other thing, and we talked about it briefly in hour one, Ben, that they had the lead late in two of the three games. So it wasn't like I heard, I heard the coach say for 15 of those first 18 innings, they were they had the upper hand in that series. They just couldn't finish off games, and that happens. Folks don't like to hear that, but that happens. Yeah, baseball is just one of those sports that it happens to you sometimes, and unfortunately yep. for the Huskers on the receiving end this weekend. But the Nebraska softball team was on the giving end of that. They take all four from the Maryland Terrapins. Much needed for them. They go 4-0 this weekend. How about that? Great way for them to wrap up the home schedule. That's it for the home schedule. Now they've got a couple of weekends of road games to, to finish it out. But after losing a home series the week before to Illinois, they needed to respond, and they did. That was a really impressive performance because Maryland was right behind them, Ben, in the standings uh, when that weekend series began. But, man, it didn't it didn't go that way. I'm taking a look at the updated Big Ten standings. Nebraska's right now in fifth place in the women's standings behind Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Illinois, who came in and took three out of four the weekend before. So, and solidly into fifth place. So I don't I don't know that there was a lot expected out of Coach Ravel's teams this year, but they're sitting at 20 and 16, and they've had a nice, solid year. Did you see the top 10 play this weekend? How about that? that? Featured number eight on SportsCenter's top 10. Brooke Andrews off the glove to a diving Billy Andrews, and they... Finish with a, uh, a top 10 play in sports, and that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Great. Good for them. And, hey, I'm, I'm glad that I, I think they were pretty well attended this weekend as well at Bowling Stadium. So great way to finish off the home schedule. And let's hope they can uh, finish strong here. They've got, um, let's see, their weekend series is they're over to Iowa City to play the Hawkeyes for a weekend series. And Iowa's behind Nebraska in the standing, so a chance to keep this little run going. All right, spring game action on Saturday. Man, what a finish to the game. We had a Texas 2009 situation. Had a second <laughs> back on the clock, and much to the chagrin of the red team, a touchdown pass to Wyatt Lever, and the PAT was good for a, essentially a walk-off touchdown. It was a pretty cool way to end it. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure you've chatted with people that have, have asked you since that game's over overall impressions final thoughts uh, for what you saw on saturday I, I love the physicality i think this team can physically match up with anybody they're going to play on their schedule i think that they've upgraded the wide receiver position i like the stable of backs and we may have not seen the best one in marquis step from usc who's out with a with a, an injury until june so i think there were a lot of positives in that thing you know, I'm still nervous about the backup quarterbacks. I, I think both of them have a certain skill set, but they don't quite look ready yet. But that, they don't have to be ready yet. They've got all summer to keep working at their craft a little bit. But, yeah, I think generally pleased with the day, pleased with the progress I've seen from this team, and certainly love seeing all those fans out there. 36,000 strong at Memorial Stadium. Beautiful day. A little warm maybe, a little toasty, but the, the thing cooked along pretty quickly. They got done in just a little over two hours so it wasn't like people were out there all day long for that but I, I just thought it was a really refreshing day it was a day I know that I needed I think Scott Frost made that comment in his post-game press conference he goes he goes I needed it I think the state needed this to have a game where you could come back in the stadium and watch Husker football not all good news though as we found out Will Honus mm. um, will miss a large portion of the season if not the entire season to a knee injury this kid just can't catch a break that, we're really excited to get him back. I think always kind of been underrated or underappreciated at, with his time at Nebraska. And 
Man, this is just another huge setback for him. Yeah, it is. You know, you felt like you were stealing a year, right? Because he decided to be a super senior and come back and take advantage of that rule. And then, doggone it, the very last week of spring practice hurts a leg and is going to have to have some surgery. And you're right. I mean, if he gets back, it's probably November, the earliest that he gets back. And, you know, at, at, at some point, if you're Will Honus, I mean, kind of what's your motivation in a way? I mean, I'm not going to speak for the young guy, but God, he, he's going to be sitting there going, this is going to be my sixth year of college football, and then this happens. Maybe it just isn't meant to be. So I I wish you the best. It's a it's a heartbreaking thing. You have you have the two extremes, right, Ben, in the last week. You have the young guy in Fedoni who tears the knee, uh, but he can be back probably in October. And then the last week of, of this thing, you have a, an old guy, a six-year guy in Honus that, that has the knee injury. So, wow, just – just heartbreaking. The good news is I, I, I saw I saw some things I liked from that linebacking core on Saturday. I think Luke Reimer's a playmaker. Kalarvik, the, the transfer for Northern Iowa, looks like he's a heck of a player. We know Nick Henrich can play inside there. I thought Randy Kapai from uh, up in South Dakota, a true freshman, moved around pretty well in that spot. So I think there's some depth there that, that Coach Rude has to play with. Yep, absolutely. So uh, something to keep an eye on there, the inside linebacker positions. While we're on the subject of football, should we talk some some FCS football? There's oh, playoffs yeah. happening right now, and um, man, you, you you said you were dialed into this, you know, all weekend long, starting first with Sam Houston State and and North Dakota State, rooting interest for us. Jeff Colhane's team, and you know, the Bison have just been the dominant team in that level. That was their first road playoff game since 2010, so they've been so dominant in the regular season they haven't had to step out of the dome to make their way to the championship game. Well, this year they'd lost a couple games in the regular season, so they weren't seeded. And so they had a home playoff game in round one, had to go to Sam Houston State playing that Texas Heat on on a Sunday. Kudos to ESPN. I mean, they, they lined them up. They had the four quarterfinal games. The Bison were on the main ESPN channel. A couple other games were on the Deuce. I think they had one on ESPNU. Uh, but pretty high-quality football. It was really good football, and... Uh, Sam Houston State bounces the Bison out of the uh, out of the tournament in the in the quarterfinal round. Score a late touchdown to beat North Dakota State three consecutive national championships mm. for the Bison and cut short. So um, tough news there. And uh, South Dakota State comes from behind and they have a nice late victory for themselves as well. So FCS playoffs and full onto the semis, right? We got four with three games left in the college football yep. season. Yep. And they will be this next Saturday. South Dakota state gets to host Delaware and Sam Houston state gets to host. They've got James Madison coming down into Huntsville, Texas for that matchup. Quite a few Nebraskans been on that South Dakota state team. Yeah. Um, and they were throwing some names out. I'm like, oh, I remember him. I remember him. I remember him. So there's some familiarity with that team. And the Jackrabbits have never won a football national championship. And now here they are just two steps away from it. Yep, absolutely. Let's uh, change gears and jump over to some Major League Baseball, some news and notes that happened this weekend. Nationals played the Marlins this weekend. We'll talk about two Nationals starting pitchers, the first being Patrick Corbin. He had a 10-game losing streak on the mound for the Nats. That was snapped as he was able to beat the Marlins uh, 7-2. The Nats win on that one. Andrew Benintendi hits two homers on Saturday for the Royals as they knock off the Twins. The White Sox get a Tim Anderson grand slam to help beat the Indians 7-3. 
the Mets and Phillies played a competitive series in Philadelphia. We'll get to how that series finished, but first on Saturday was the Mets getting a home run from Michael Conforto late to win 5-4, uh, precursor to some revenge potentially with the uh, Phillies and the Mets. But also the best game of the of the one of the best games of the weekend happened in Milwaukee between the Dodgers and the Brewers, and this one went 11. Shaw right field down base hit Feliciano around third. That's his throw, and it's over. The Brewers win. Travis Shaw wins it for Milwaukee. Six to five, Brew Crew win it over the Dodgers. Man, it was a really good game between those two. Really competitive series. I think we found out, Greg, that the Brewers they go sweep the San Diego and proving that they can obviously more than hang with the Dodgers. I, I think there's some legs to what they see, even though uh, Sunday wasn't so pretty as the Dodgers bludgeon the Brewers sixteen to four. But uh, the Brewers, uh, Brewers, I think may contend, and I don't know that any of us really expected that. They, they took three out of four. I, you know, I think thinking back to our picks, I think several guys picked the Brewers to win the division. I think I went Cardinals, and the Cardinals are right there too. But Brewers are getting healthy too. They they welcome back Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain tonight. They're losing tonight to the Phillies. But they've been doing this without some of their big guns in the lineup. So if they get healthy, absolutely, they're going to be in, they're in, they're in this for the long haul. Activated both Yelich and Cain from the injured list today. Uh, so things could start turning for them. We mentioned earlier the Nationals, and, man, what a day it was for Max Scherzer. Swing and a miss! Max Scherzer puts the finishing touches on his first shutout since the 2018 campaign with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball for his ninth strikeout of the ballgame. Complete game, five-hitter for Scherzer. They beat the Marlins 3-1, 9Ks for Mad Max. Still still hanging out and having a good good year. 2-2, two 2.54 and two, ERA for Scherzer after that outing. So he's still proving that he can uh, he can hang a little bit uh, out there on the mound, both him no and Clayton Kershaw. Yep. And then after the game, he jetted to the hospital. His wife gave birth to their, uh, their son. Like a, an hour after he got done pitching, he made it in time for the birth. So pitched the shutout and took off and headed to the hospital and made it in time for the birth. Pat yourself on the back there. Good effort yeah. from Scherzer all the way around. <laughs> Reds beat the Cubs 13-12 to 12 in 10 innings. Nick Castellanos Ooh. helps getting the Reds over the Cubs to Sunday, Runday, Fun Day, right? That's certainly the case there. What a way to finish Major League Baseball action on a weekend, though, as Mets-Phillies on Sunday night baseball. Phillies trying for some revenge on Saturday. Thought they had it. 2-1 pitch to Hoskins. Hit well to right. And it's gone. A game-tying three-run homer. Santa Maria. Again, the call on the field is homer. But in order for it to be a home run, this ricochet had to come off a seat. Hmm. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. They're saying it hit the top of the wall. Not a home run. I only watched the replay twice, and it was really tough for me to tell if it hit the seat. It for sure hit the railing, but I didn't know if it hit the seat or not. But either way, that is a... That's a tough deal there if you are a Phillies fan to see that end the way that it did. I, I think I think they got it right. I think it hit the top railing and came back. Uh, man, what a downer. 
unless you're a Mets fan. Obviously, it turned yeah. out well for them. But, yeah, what a downer. You think you've got all this emotion, and, and then you'd be to be told, no, no, it's it's a ground rule double. you got to go back to second base. Ouch. That Final, happened. Uh, um, was it the Maryland series for us? The, the yes, kid hit Griffin the, Everett. Yeah, Griffin Everett. I thought was I thought it was out, and I think they did get it right. I think it did the same thing at the very top of the wall and came back in. Yeah, really tough news if you're a White Sox fan. First, you lose Eloy Jimenez in spring training. Now we find out that um, Luis Robert, the tremendous rookie from a year ago, out 12 to 16 weeks. Ouch! With a surgically repaired torn hip flexor. They just uh, running into a string of bad luck. Tim Anderson has spent a lot of the year on the IL as well. They just can't seem to get it going right now. This is a tough deal for them. A couple big parts, right? Main mm-hmm. event. Yep, you bet. NBA, uh, we've got the uh, playoffs, right? The, the playoff picture is the the tournament, I guess. The playoff tournament bracket uh, is, is inching close to being done and uh, we've got the uh, the sound the sound off from uh, LeBron James. Not not overly happy with the uh, the, situa- <laughs> the situations, so indicating that maybe you know whoever uh, suggested this should lose their jobs. So tough tough deal for them. But teams that have uh, clinched their ticket into the postseason, the Jazz, which have done so for over a week. The Nets, the Suns' first appearance since 2010, the 76ers, and as of last night, Tehran Luz, Los Angeles Clippers. Wow. So that's, uh, those are the teams that have found their way into the tournament, and, uh, or at least uh, you know the postseason, the play-in tournament. The 7th through the 10th highest winning percentages in each conference will find their way uh, into that tournament. We'll keep our eyes and ears open for that once it's all finished up. So... Uh, yeah, keep your eyes and ears on that. Major League Baseball in full swing. We'll have baseball regionals here in a few weeks. Still plenty uh, still plenty ahead to keep us busy before we launch full into the summer. No doubt. Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit, wire to wire. And then her Bob Baffert victory. He's now this, won seven races as a trainer. This was a Josh winner, correct? No, Josh went with Hot Rod Charlie, and that was okay, Andy's. Yeah, that's right. That was Andy's pick. Hot Rod Charlie finished third. Uh, the favorite was Essential Quality, and he and that horse finished fourth. So, um, yeah, yeah. Josh was Josh was cheering when it, when Andy picked Hot Rod Charlie, and Hot Rod Charlie was right there. It was pretty close, but he finished third. So, Mandaloon gets uh, yep. plays. Hot Rod Charlie gets show. And uh, last, well, I don't know if we're, we're counting scratches as last place for buy sell or not. Because I think that's gonna that's Ooh. gonna play into it. Because I'm pretty sure I guess some one of us guessed King Fury, didn't we? Yeah, but wasn't the thing about the horse that would win it was spell with the first ten letters? But then we also had a last place horse. Oh, well, you can't do the scratch. It's got to be soup and sandwich. Soup and sandwich. Then that's that's a how tough about deal. this? So you, you heard Matt and I referencing it during the broadcast on Saturday, and yeah. I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember Hot Rod Charlie's name. That's who I. That's who I went with. But um, so a guy who's a diehard Husker, I mean, huge Husker football fan. So he hears us. So he tweets at me and he goes, "Greg, soup and sandwich. Bet the house and tell Matt." <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Finish last. That, that, that's not. That's not where you want to go with your prediction. There, dead Man. last. 
Oh my goodness. Here we are, we're back for the final segment of our Monday's show, Sports Nightly. Time to pick off everybody's weekend winners. Ben? Yeah, my weekend winners are all the Husker fans. I was lucky enough to be um, around all of them, right, for football and, and for baseball. And, man, it's just, there's just nothing like the feeling of in your gut of, you know, when they're announcing the starting lineups or the, the anthem's playing and then right before you're, you're playing ball or the tunnel walk and you just – the roar of the crowd just can't be replicated. And, man, 36,000 people to watch a spring game is just fantastic. So kudos to everybody that came out. Hopefully everybody that, um, you know, spent their weekend out supporting Husker Athletics had a good time. Well done. Tim. All right. Uh, tough act to follow. Ben trying to, to, to get the brownie points for thanking all the fans. But oh, jeez. I, uh, <laughs> I would I, eat a brownie right now, to be honest. I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> Fair enough. Wouldn't we all? Uh, my my shout-outs go to Brendan Hymas and Matt Farniok for, of course, getting Yay. drafted. Hymas in the fifth round going to the Los Angeles Chargers and Farniok in the seventh round going to the Cowboys. May a long and storied career in the NFL await them. So congratulations to both those gentlemen. Fantastic, yeah. Austin Orman. Not looking for brownie points like either Ben or Tim here, but uh, on Tim's thing, I saw a couple praise things from the offensive lineman. Hymas, one of the athletic uh, writers, said he was their day three steal for Los Angeles, and uh, Jerry Jones had a heck of a quote on <laughs> Matt Farniak and the history of Nebraska linemen in the NFL. Anyways, my weekend winner, uh, first shout-out Josh Hilkman for running the Lincoln Marathon, but the yeah. winner of this marathon Alex Akessa had a heck of a day not only did he win the marathon but this came after flying from Kenya with a connecting flight in Qatar that took him to Dallas to Kansas City he landed in Kansas City about one o'clock in the morning Sunday morning the day of the race takes an Uber from Kansas City to Lincoln runs the marathon wins it heck of a day pretty incredible accomplishment for that guy man that is crazy. All right, my weekend winner, I'm going Husker softball. How about a four-game sweep over Maryland uh, to wrap up the home slate? Great job by Ronda Ravel's team. As we mentioned earlier in the hour, they're now in fifth place in the league. They still have a shot. They have a shot of making the NCAA tournament. They'll need to finish strong the last two weekends they play at Iowa over the weekend. All right, tomorrow night we'll continue re- Reviewing the spring game, Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7 will be here. And it's Tuesday. That means Top 10 Tuesday. What topic will we have tomorrow night? Hmm. You'll just have to tune in and see what we come up with here on the show tomorrow night. That'll do it for tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, and to all of you for being a part of this show. Enjoy the rest of your night. We're back tomorrow night with another full three hours of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Network.